0: Of the Television Crossover Universe. Live Castle Wolfenstein, hosted by the TVCU crew. The TVCU crew are a team of crossovers who devote way too much of their time to connecting the dots through official crossovers and Easter eggs, all in order to demonstrate a shared fictional reality we call the Television Crossover Universe. Now, today is another weird episode, as this was scheduled to be a convention episode, but no one of our current hosts or regular co-host could make it to this con so you're stuck with Mary Helen and I for another discussion episode
1: hi guys yes you're stuck with us um and we promised to have some fun like I think we had a lot of fun that last discussion episode yes even though I, w- I was surprised when we actually did hit premieres but um actually when we're recording we're only about halfway through the premiere so I'm curious to see how that that keeps going when the Arrowverse reverse
0: looks like so many of our predictions are already wrong
1: so wrong yeah we're we're totally wrong spoilers yeah i i I have to give it to the flash failing you yeah i have to give it to the flash i was pleasantly surprised to see they they managed to surprise me because i thought i'd covered almost every angle but they found a card i hadn't thought and put it in play so bravo cw um but no i'm most excited for supergirl because i've been waiting not so patiently and the wait's almost over so yay yay but yeah so. it, it's weird to think this is airing um gonna air a little later and so like see the air is gonna be out there i'm gonna have a birthday and we're just gonna have some fun having a discussion yes,
0: happy birthday to you
1: yes had to put that plug in there because this is airing I if i did my math right two days after my birthday so happy birthday to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right shameless plugs time now that i'm done plugging my own birthday but does that count or can i get something else
0: you can have something else <laughs>
1: I'm actually going to plug James, um, and this is going to go on theme, and I'll probably mention it again later. But on Fridays on the television – not on the television, crossover universe. This is what happens when I record on a rainy Saturday. On Fridays on the com, we have what we call Big Finish Fridays, where James comes and he reviews a Big Finish Doctor Who episode. And it's been really fun getting to read his thoughts and his synopses. And I, He's actually covered a couple I haven't listened to yet. And it makes me excited, and it's turning into a really fun series. So make sure on Fridays you wander over to timetravelnexus.com for James's Big Finish Fridays. Okay. There's my plug.
0: Well, I will plug her. You should find her online in one of her many Twitters or many Facebooks. She has more than I don't know what I was going to compare you to, but she is more than whatever you could compare her to. Shame. You know what? I was going to tell people to wish you a happy birthday, but now your phone goes <laughs> off on air. That's out the window. That is out the window.
1: We're doing great today, guys.
0: <laughs> I would also like to plug the second Dead West volume, which will be coming out right around this time this episode releases. Oh, yeah,
1: that is. Um, yeah. I want to have the uh, next Science of Deduction come out as well by the time we air.
0: Yes, it should have, unless there's any surprises, mysteries, or strange things going on at the office. But you can definitely see the second of J. Patrick Allen's Dead West series. This time, the gang deals with strange cults, while Bill Hickok, and our show's very unmascot, Thomas Carnacki, the Ghostfinder. Hi. I'll tell you more about that next week, but for now... For now. For now, we're going to move into the break, and then we'll be back to talk about Big Finish, Doctor Who and recent developments in
1: the the Doctor Who
0: universe.
1: And we're back as this rainy day edition of the Television Crossover Universe podcast moves on to discuss a fun topic, the Big Finish Doctor Who series. And in case you didn't know, um, Big Finish Productions has put out some of the best Doctor Who that has come out probably since the classic era ended. Definitely, I would
0: go so far as to say it's better than any televised episode of Doctor Who.
1: I some of them actually are. I will give that um, there have been some phenomenal episodes of Doctor Who done by Big Finish. Um, in fact, if you remember, a few weeks ago, actually almost a month ago at this point, we would have we did a total shameless plug asking Nicholas Briggs to come on. We'll take a moment to acknowledge that door is always open, sir. If you'd like to come on, one day we will we will gladly bring you on the show. But he helps run the Doctor Who line and also has been in a couple episodes himself. A and lot of the episodes, in fact, actually,
0: you will recognize him if you watch any Doctor Who episode, as he's been voicing every single Dalek since the series returned in two thousand five.
1: Yep, that'd be Nicholas Briggs, and he also did something that I was surprising. Surprised to so find i like not only that i like but james liked he actually voices sherlock holmes yes and probably one of my favorite um ones all consuming fire which you actually can find a review from james on all consuming fire on com. had to do that there Aww. but it, it is fun it is a great one it crosses over sherlock holmes and watson with the seventh doctor and ace and benny makes an appearance too if memory serves yes um, so what are we going to discuss today? There is a fun crossover. We're fulfilling our duties. As- well,
0: let's get into something a bit more theoretical.
1: Oh, are we going to discuss what yes. you think, I think we're going to discuss? Yes.
0: Oh. So, in the Fifth Doctor audio, The Boy Who Never Was, and I might have the title wrong, so I'll have to check that, but in that audio, the Fifth Doctor reveals that one of the most necessary components in his TARDIS is a flux capacitor. So, who invented the flux capacitor first? <laughs>
1: The Time Lords? Or Doc, Doc Brown. Brown. I you've asked me this and I actually never been able to take an opinion.
0: And who stole from who?
1: Well theoretically, according even to Back to the Future Canon, and ironically this is airing just days after Back to the Future Day now that I think about it. But ironically, according to Doc uh, Back to the Future Canon, Doc Brown says he got the idea for the flux capacitor in nineteen fifty five after slamming his head on the counter. Did yes. he actually slam his head on the counter? Was there some fun shenanigans there? That that is something. There's is is my a
0: fanfic for our listeners to write.
1: Yes, that is a fanfic. Doc Brown goes on an adventure, sees the flux capacitor in the TARDIS, and says, "I can make this." And how he hit his head—that's up for you to decide. Yes, but if you seriously—if you write this fanfic, Especially I need a link.
0: Since Marty was there on that night that he hit his head, so you have really thin. Time slice to fit any adventure with the Doctor in. Yes. that's the problem. We know almost everything Doc did that night in
1: 1955. So yes, very thin window of time. But seriously, if someone writes that fic, please link me because yes. um, I need to read it.
0: We'll pitch you on the show.
1: Yeah. So someone write it for me, please. um But yes, there's, there's just fun Easter eggs. Well, did
0: Rassilon with his crappy early Tardises that barely work, and she gets 1955.
1: Arguably, See the he would have to get to 1985 because he didn't complete it until 1985. It took him 30 years. Arguably, he'd have to come later. But we also know that there is also a very thin window for him to come there, because we know all the events that happened in 1985 until the point where Doc Brown wanders off into his own temporal mood.
0: There's also the problem with what he did after the movies, which might explain it. When Doc opened his Institute of Future Technology.
1: I mean, there's lots of possibilities. Did someone steal from the other, or is this an odd, quirky paradox?
0: like calculus with both Isaac Newton and the French guy. His name is much French guy. And it invented calculus.
1: I mean, stranger things have happened. Definitely in the Doctor Who universe as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if I still have an opinion on that. I kind of like the, par- the paradox thing. as a circular paradox so who actually first invented it we will never be able to unsort that enough to figure I out. I really like
0: the idea that they both stole from each other and that the Flux capacitor and time travel itself is a free lunch paradox.
1: I like that. Just make your head hurt. But you know, it's not a proper discussion on theoretical time travel unless you get a little bit of a headache. Um, I've managed to give like six people a headache since the Flash aired. It's been my personal joy to do so.
0: Yes. And, you know, we should be ashamed for talking about Big Finish in this an episode, and neither of us have listened to the worlds of Big Finish, which brings together Sherlock Holmes, Dorian Gray, Iris Wildtime, Denny Summerfield, and someone I'm forgetting. Seriously, who's another major Big Finish character?
1: I mainly listen to Doctor Who on Big Finish, so I'm not completely Shame sure. Deep. You know? Yes. I've listened to a little Betty. Betty is fun. And I've listened to one Iris while Thumb, and I was wondering, what did I just hear? And I haven't wandered back there quite yet. I I will eventually, just...
0: Just once you get over the scars of the shagging in it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And you think you misheard him? You did not. But let's actually take a break from big finish for half a second to because
0: we're all dying to discuss the news that came out yesterday for us
1: yes it'd be yesterday for us a couple weeks ago for you guys but the trailer released for these upcoming spinoff class and let me take a moment to note i'm gonna hop on my soapbox sorry dame
0: oh have fun i'm
1: gonna hop on my soapbox while he checks on something but last i heard about class BBC was trying to bury the sucker hard and fast because it looked like a hot mess to begin with. And the trailer confirms it's going to be a hot mess.
0: And they were going to dump it from the online streaming service. No one belonged to
1: it. Yeah, I heard that it was going to go online. I heard it was getting shoved to BBC Three. I've heard, you know, the BBC wanted nothing to do with it. I also heard at one point that they weren't allowed to use any of the BBC villains, monsters, whatever you want to call and them. These
0: were all official BBC reports, not... Random online yeah. pictures from Anonymous
1: Joe. And that the doctor or any of the companions are nothing related to the parent show. We're going to touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. The only thing they were going to have is Coal Hill School. Which, didn't you notice in the trailer, Memory Serves, they call, tried to call it Coal Hill Academy. I'm like, can you at least get the school's name right, please? Yeah. That's just embarrassing. Um, but let's take a moment to note. That speculation, this is where we do enter some speculation and I were discussing the why is this now actually becoming a thing when it was supposed to be buried and now it's going like on BBC and it's a big deal all of a sudden and more importantly, Peter Capaldi's doctor is making an appearance, I think in the pilot yes, in the pilot randomly um, let me take a moment, if you haven't seen the trailer please go watch and please look at the pure look of misery that is Peter Capaldi's face at the end of the trailer He's trying to wonder, what on earth am I doing here, and why am I here, and I'm not getting paid enough to be here. And he looks miserable, and like, and what is this garbage?
0: Keep in mind, Capaldi had no idea if he was appearing or not until literally the last couple of days of shooting.
1: They, like, squeezed his cameo into the pilot.
0: Yeah. He had no idea whether he was appearing or not. He would heard different things back and forth from different BBC people, and he had flat-out zero idea.
1: And then all of a sudden, surprise, you're going on, and... Sadly, and if you know me, you know I don't have a high opinion. And it's nothing against Peter Capaldi. Like, I think he had the potential to be a fantastic doctor, but I'm not a fan of his doctor. So, and sadly, I think that's going to be the best thing about class is his cameo.
0: And the worst part is I actually like the ideas behind his doctor. That he's a doctor trying to make up for several thousand years of screw-ups. But they have no idea how to put that in action, and he's unlikable...
1: And he, Peter Capaldi's not even saving it.
0: The worst part is, it's worse that he's on—not that he's just unlikable. He's uninteresting and unlikable, because you can be fine watching shows about unlikable characters if they're interesting.
1: But he's not, and it is not Peter Capaldi. Let me just say that again. I, to me, it's the writing. That's where the flaw of Doctor Who these days is, is at the writing. Apparently, Matt Smith was saving more scripts than I thought he was, and apparently these are getting so bad that even Peter Capaldi is not able to save them.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm watching the two most recent seasons has raised my estimation of how much Matt Smith was saving what he was given.
1: Yeah. And And nowadays I say something nice about Matt Smith, and people are like, you hated him. I'm like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It really does. Thursdays I actually do miss Matt Smith's doctor. And also at least a lot he was likable. Of that was
0: just your PTSD.
1: Yeah. I did actually just hate him on principle because he wasn't David Tennant's doctor.
0: Which is the problem with binge streaming. It is. At least I had a year to process.
1: I took a few weeks to process that actually. Like I it was like two, three weeks before I would even touch Matt Smith's run because I was so upset over David Tennant's regeneration. Um, there was actually legitimate mourning for this if you missed that fun show it was really sad i'll admit but um let's go take a moment to note that james and i were speculating why is all of a sudden class now a thing it's apparently going on bbc not bbc 3 not online and the doctor's making a cameo and lord knows what else it's actually first off let's take a moment it's a buffy the vampire slayer ripoff but they can't write unlike josh wheaton
0: well yeah and i would say the real problem here is this is This is something that's just insane. That in the trailer, they call attention to the fact, hey, if you didn't notice, we're totally ripping off Buffy.
1: Yeah. How about you not call attention to that? Everyone already knows you are, but why are you going to call attention to the fact you're ripping off Buffy when, you know, Buffy's still infamous?
0: And the worst part is, it's actually a crossover, too, because they're not talking about Buffy the show. They're saying, that place that had a Hellmouth.
1: Yeah, apparently they're trying to put themselves in Buffy's universe. Which, which technically theoretically puts doctor who in the buffy's universe and we could actually sit there and have a discussion but i'd like to watch gosh i'm gonna have to sit through some of this aren't i watch some of class to figure out exactly what they're trying to go at with that angle um so let's right.
0: deal with the first fact let's How uh, mouse are our public knowledge apparently two two doctor who completely wrecks the buffy universe
1: I don't actually get how they feel like they can justify putting those two together.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, Joss already did it himself. Ten and Rose appear in some of the and non-canon Buffy season ten comics.
1: Oh, that's right. Which I don't blame him. Ten and Rose, but
0: <laughs> I don't blame him for making them non-canon.
1: <laughs> that too. I I'm curious to see the angle they go at. I feel like they can There's only going to be so much of that they can touch before. I have
0: the feeling that it's also just completely unnecessary fanboyism. Because I guarantee you they're not going to be using any kind of non-alien monster. I guarantee you they're not going to be doing anything occult. I guarantee you they're not going to be doing anything other than the fact, oh, hey, hell mouths are real.
1: My thing is, there's a line in the trailer where more or less someone asked the doctor, are you going to leave these kids to take care of this? Let's take a moment to know, yes, he actually would, because Eleven left Amelia Pond. For, like, 20 years, and there was this rip in. At least that wasn't his crack. fault. It wasn't his fault, but he did. So, yes, it's not necessarily above the doctor to leave these kids. Plus, quite frankly, has better things to do, like, going to see what Moffat's going to do in his last season of Showrunner.
0: Okay, here's the thing I don't get. Why do they always act like it's this horrible tragedy that the doctor leaves after he solves a problem? Like, why is that one of Moffat's favorite tropes?
1: The thing is that's known and anyone that knows bothers to spend two seconds looking at the doctor knows he doesn't stay but
0: why would that even be this thing that
1: it actually apparently
0: re- morally repulsed by and keeps punishing the doctor for daring to leave after a problem
1: well because you know as we all know moffat doesn't like to acknowledge the fact that the show went for almost 50 years before he took over he likes to pretend that 2000 you know 10 on is the only bit of doctor who that there's been. And then if he references previous canon, it's because it's convenient to him. And
0: if he does he'll also radically change it so it doesn't fit. See the great intelligence. Quite frankly nothing in common.
1: With yeah, he just does it either A, to try to attempt to shut up fans of classic who so they'll leave him alone so he can do whatever he wants. Or B, Oh, I like this but I don't like this. So I'm gonna change it. And I'm gonna drastically alter it just to suit my needs or push my own agenda. My favorite
0: part with the entire great intelligence mess is that the doctor, doctor, the official Doctor Who encyclopedias and reference material has already decided, oh, hey, that wasn't really the great intelligence. We're going to reference downtime, and we're going to say that this is just the great intelligence possessing that guy. So it's already non-canon by the canon keepers at the BBC.
1: I'm quite frankly waiting for the last season finale and that hot mess that it was to be ruled not canon And I'm actually not surprised it hasn't already happened, but I'm giving it time. Because I think more or less nine-tenths of that is going to be shoved as non-canon. I'm
0: sure that all of the 12th Doctor season finales are going to be non-canon in a few years. But...
1: Back to class. Back to class. Who is is, this show for? This show's for, and I'm going to have to say this, and I actually asked James I was allowed to go on this rant before we started. Actually,
0: I don't think this is the rant we're thinking of.
1: No, it's going to bleed into that rant, though. go for it. My thing is, this is a show... For Tumblr fans. And there's nothing wrong with Tumblr. I wander on Tumblr. In fact, I RP Sarah Jane on Tumblr, and I enjoy talking with people on Tumblr. My thing is, though, if that's what you're gonna base, what you're gonna air on television as, is the opinion of people on Tumblr, you deserve the In the Toilet ratings you're about to get. And, quite frankly, let's all know Doctor has ratings have been in the absolute toilet. And the only thing keeping that sucker alive is Legacy.
0: Oh, it's even worse than that, because right now, the main show ratings... If you look at the numbers the BBC puts out, you're not actually looking at the real numbers, and you have to do a little bit more digging, because what they do is they combine the first airing, the second airing, everyone who recorded it, and most crucially, everyone who buys the episode on iTunes in order to get their inflated number. If you look at just the first airing, or just the first airing, and then the second airing later that night...
1: Wait, let's take a moment to note... Because sometimes I feel like they're also combining um, UK and US numbers. Sometimes
0: they do, but not always.
1: All right, I needed to clarify. But that. if you
0: take it down just to the first two airings, it is below where the show was when it was canceled with Sylvester McCoy, and significantly below.
1: It it really is, and I'm to the point where I wonder: Can Chris Chibnall save it? And is it savable? There's your question. Give us some, a out. Is Doctor Who savable at this point?
0: I would say yes because they're still not playing the games they did with Sylvester McCoy. They're not scheduling him against all of the ratings powerhouses. They're not drastically cutting the episodes so they make no sense. They're not playing any of the we hate your shows so we're going to screw you over politics.
1: Which is bizarre. you think they would be getting to that point with our ratings or say something's got it? I guess something is, is changing that Chris Chibnall's is taking over the show from Stephen Moffat. I'll be honest, I about cried when I got that news. It, it was bad. Like, James got a phone call for that one. I was like, James, yes, I'm losing him. I'm so happy because if you can't tell, I like, can't stand Stephen Moffat's writing or his, his tenure as showrunner of Doctor Who. And I'll go on record saying that. There you go. Can't stand it at all. But,
0: but he did, with one major exception, write really fantastic Christmas specials.
1: I will give that. And the one time he didn't write a good Christmas special, I was so bitterly disappointed because. To me that is the one place where Stephen Moffat does shine And then that one year where he didn't I, It left a bad taste in my mouth
0: I still have no idea how that went so wrong um. The Doctor meets Santa As played by Nick Frost Should be a winning recipe No matter what you do
1: But I mean Minus there was only there was one, And it couldn't redeem the rest of the episode But that was one beautiful moment And the fact is it wasn't a scripted moment It was the moment you know at the end of the episode When they're in Santa's sleigh And Peter Capaldi's doctor's driving and there's this moment where you saw for a glimmering second the doctor that could have been and then it breaks your heart when it's over but you see it and you can't help but grin. Yeah. Then it was over and then we're back to Peter Capaldi's doctor. Um, I'll give it to um, Alex Kingston though. No, in the last Christmas special, last year's Christmas special, Husbands a River song, she, I mean the two of them together were fantastic and lived up to my expectations because I've been wanting uh, 12 and River since they announced Peter Capaldi was 12 I've been rooting for them to bring River Song back and I've never been her biggest fan but I've I've grown, once again, absence makes the heart grow fonder she did a fantastic job in the Christmas special and together they made a fantastic episode, probably the best one since um, probably since the 50th Mm -hmm.
0: I would go so far as to say that no that's not the tangent I want to get on yet i'm more excited for the next two doctors that river is going to be meeting because she is going getting stuck on an intergalactic chase slash road trip next month in a big finished release that has her stuck with the six and seventh doctors
1: oh god together seriously yes wait they're doing a multi-doctor again
0: yes six Why seven have they and river. With that a
1: few weeks early it's so happy birthday to me but still happy birthday to me six seven and river yes in case anyone doesn't know, we're gonna slightly come back, and we might wrap up class in a second. We're gonna come back on the tangent a big Finish. They write the most beautiful Sixth Doctor. In fact, I need you to sit here. I need you to pause. I need you to go to YouTube. I need you to look up Doctor Who and the Pirates. Listen to the Sixth Doctor there, and then come back. Yeah, you're back. Yes,
0: that's true. For anyone who has only watched the Sixth Doctor and walked away with a bad taste in your mouth, they completely reinvented his character without taking anything away from canon without saying he's not like that they managed to canically reinvent his character so that
1: i've never watched six and i'm not
0: from a horrible terrible mess of a doctor to honestly probably my third favorite
1: i'm not looking forward to eventually buckling down and watching watching some of his episodes because i know the big finish six who i've heard is vastly different and i love big finish six um, Doctor Who and the Pirates is probably, if not my favorite, one of my favorite audios. Um, Do you
0: know what I'm not looking forward to? Uh, I'm not looking forward to buckling down and listening to their recent box set that lets Six actually die.
1: That's right. And you were getting on my case, sir. Pick it
0: up and hang it up.
1: Anyway, Much better. Um, getting on my case about my phone earlier.
0: We're both horrible monsters.
1: Horrible people. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's right. That is a thing. And the fact that they were able to talk him into a story where this happens.
0: Especially since he's gotten on so well for years by saying, Oh, I'm still the doctor. I'm still the current doctor. Everyone else after me is an imposter. I never regenerated. Because, do you want to tell this story?
1: Oh, Next time, you, when, when you're, while you're wandering to Doctor and the Pirates, open up a second tab and go into YouTube and look up Six Doctors Regeneration, because it does happen on screen, but as we go from Colin Baker to Sylvester McCoy. What you might happen to notice is it happens right at the very beginning of an episode. Actually, I have it on DVD. And I haven't watched it yet, but I, I've seen the scene. But I actually have Seven's first episode on DVD. I found it the other week, and I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I was like, I need this. Because of the scene. Really, that's why I was willing to pay money for it, was because of the scene. I needed it on DVD.
0: It's one of the great blunders of horrible screen it's, choices.
1: It's one of the... And not only is it one of the great wonders of TV choices for Doctor Who, I think it is for television, period. This is so magnificently awful. It's the least awful. convincing
0: special. Effect.
1: Yes, ever. What happens... No, no, you said I get to tell the story. Don't, oh, yes. don't start. What happens is they go to regenerate Six, but it's Sylvester McCoy wearing a blonde wig to match Colin Baker's hair at the time and if you take two and they kind of try to turn him away enough that you don't notice that the wrong this guy's wearing the wrong face already
0: and that he is significantly smaller and shorter
1: and older I mean and yeah they look nothing alike but they slapped a wig and he regenerates and to seven wearing six's special outfit.
0: Yes. So this audio finally gives Colin Baker the regeneration he deserves. Most people call it the best regeneration story ever. Absolutely shattering and more heartbreaking than End of Time.
1: Oh gosh! Yeah. And See, he's not encouraging me to watch because when I watch, when I wa- even listen. still, if I watch End of Time, I sit there and break down and sob. It's awful. Yes,
0: and. More than that, they reveal there's a reason the Sixth Doctor looked like Seven in a wig. It was Seventh Doctor in a terrible wig, in a costume too big for him. They have a canon explanation for this horrible, horrible tomfoolery.
1: Much lord knows they need a one, because if you've never gone to see the regeneration, you need to. There's actually a uh, compilation video of all the regeneration sequences. It came out around the time of the 50th. Yes. Um, so you can take a second to see all of them if you want. Um, some of them might not necessarily make sense out of context, but then again, you're just watching Doctors regenerate. Um, I will give it to Moffat, though, and I guess since I've been bashing him so much, just, I have to give him something. Theoretically, that's the nice professional thing to do. Yes. Um, but he actually has this thing, and I agree with him, that he wants all these Doctors to have the regeneration sequence. Granted, I guess he counted that awful Flurry as a completed one. But he goes out of the way to get a um, technically 8 to War Doctor, War Doctor technically to 9 without actually showing 9 at the end of that regeneration sequence. But everyone knew that that's what it was.
0: They went as close to Eccleston's face as they could legally go.
1: Yeah, as close as they could legally go before they cut out. And it just... Yeah, it makes sense, and I like that he is so set on making sure you know that we complete these stories. And I appreciate the thought that went behind that. Sadly, that's about the only few things he's done right in the last few years.
0: And even then, I have problems with his regeneration stories. I mean, I don't I, like I, his eight regeneration.
1: I don't either. I don't necessarily either. Though I did almost fall in my chair and cry when he brought eight back. Yeah, because I I didn't know. Um, I don't know if you knew and didn't I did tell not me, know. or. I just didn't acknowledge when James was like, yeah, The Eighth Doctor, because at the point when I, um, the 50th aired, The Eighth Doctor was the only classic Doctor I knew, and I was already in love with him, even though technically all I'd seen of him was his movie, but he's just so adorable in that movie that I was in love with The Eighth Doctor, and all of a sudden he's there, and I like, almost fell in my chair. I was like, oh my gosh, it's The Eighth Doctor and I'm crying, and Mom's like, what is your problem? I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. Paul McGann's Doctor on my screen right now. But yes, it was a—it was a very much a thing, um, like a week before the fiftieth, and I—I I had a point with this, and I lost it.
0: Well, this most recent, well, this upcoming Christmas special is, in its own way, a crossover.
1: Oh, this is, we actually get to count that as a crossover, even though they're trying it's, to legally not crossover.
0: It honestly depends on how they play it, because it could be rationalized. But either way, it's intended as a crossover. It's intended as
1: a Doctor Who Me and Superman crossover from what I could see of the trailer. Um, I'll have to give him to it. The first look does look intriguing. Um, I mean, the, the bar is set high for Stephen Moffat here because Husband's River Song is probably the best episode since the 50th. So the bar is high and there's been nothing here in 2017. So all we've had to do is sit here and speculate either go over his faults for the 300 millionth time, watch old episodes and reminisce for wishing for better times or wonder what he's going to do. And the bar set high because we all been wanting new who now for 10 months going, you know, it's going to be 12 exactly before we get new who. And then don't
0: worry. Class is releasing at a calculated time to lower all of your expectations.
1: Yeah, this is my problem. I'm trying to, um, no offense, Chibnall. I'm trying to not have expectations for when he takes over because every time I've allowed myself to get in expectations for Dr. Who, in the last few years they've been shattered shattered so bad
0: yeah so my favorite part of this
1: christmas when is class because i missed the date on. october 22nd why Moffat? i don't need that birthday present sir let's move it to another weekend where i don't want to kill you when i'm going into my birthday why actually Moffat's not running the show but i'm still blaming you anyway sir no, this is some... This is someone else. After I thought about it after I just hit that yes. rant. That was no, he's
0: innocent. It's this other guy who has it out for you.
1: They conspired together because Mothra Ma- couldn't do nothing to me, so he got this other guy to do it. That's what this is.
0: At any rate, <laughs> the thing I'm most excited for in this Christmas trailer is that apparently the Doctor is tricked by quote-unquote Clark Kent's glasses.
1: I thought that was hysterically adorable. And it's one of these moments where Capaldi gets these fun faces, and I'm like, why don't you do this more often? Where you're just adorably stupid. See, I would have gone for that Doctor for two seasons now. Uh I mean, at times he actually is adorably stupid. and That's when he has his best moments. That's when he's just adorably stupid.
0: Yeah, and I hate that they're trying to write him to be like the First Doctor when they don't understand how the First Doctor works.
1: I feel like unless you—and even I won't claim to completely understand what makes that First Doctor tick. Um, And Lord knows from what we've heard from Moth that I've spent more time trying to.
0: Yeah, especially I don't understand why he's trying to make it like the First Doctor when he's gone on about how much he hates the First Doctor's era. And he only likes the first episode of An Unearthly Child. Interesting. Which is just crazy, because I honestly believe The First Doctor is one of the strongest eras of Doctor Who. I, I have
1: to... I haven't watched enough to be able to form an opinion.
0: Yeah, I think you've...
1: I've watched, um... The first three serials. I've watched mostly the Aztec one. Um... I've almost several times bought his Regeneration episode, The Tenth Planet. Yeah. Because it's always at our Barnes & Noble. But I haven't yet because then I find three and Sarah Jane, four and Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane, more Sarah Jane. Have I mentioned Sarah Jane yet in this list? And, and
0: of course that means your favorite episode of Doctor Who is canine and company.
1: I actually have almost bought that. It's all They've had it. I just haven't yet.
0: <laughs> I just love it's overly 80s opening sequence it's beautiful then it jump cuts to Satanist sacrificing a guy then it, it jump cuts to drunk English ants gossiping about a character who's barely in the show and then it jump cuts all of this without context to Sarah Jane opening a box and finding 4 has left a canine unit in, in her attic without explanation, without saying hi like it's some kind of prank
1: yeah It. It's. it's Special. I've I haven't seen much of it, but I've heard enough that I know. But I've almost bought it, because it actually comes um, in a set with a foreign Leela episode.
0: Oh, I guess it's K9's first episode. Maybe? Really? Is that what that is?
1: Oh, dude, Why haven't I bought this yet?
0: Yeah, that's why Gosh. Sarah Jane got her K9 unit much later. Because...
1: Because like, it's in a 4 and Leela bot, and it's like, bonus, you get this K9 and company episode with sarah jane and i'm like sarah jane i love sarah jane as i mentioned i do it yeah i, I do think love people her. can tell um and actually i have also gotten distracted from buying one episodes because ace there you go nikki ace ace has distracted me several times
0: ace distracts everyone
1: ace is wonderful you haven't enjoyed seven and eight but actually you can enjoy seven and eight with big finish because they've been together since like 98 right they've been doing a...
0: 99 i think yeah 99. they've been doing
1: episodes and they're the still fifth big
0: finish episode for context is seven and ace and moreover they have one of the best written runs on television and their first big finish episode absolutely blows every televised episode out of the water
1: uh yeah i mean if you if you fell in love with seven and Ace in the classic era you need to go to big finish because they have so much seven and Ace, and it's beautiful and they're yeah they're still it, it, have you ever gotten to see um selfie Alger and sebastian mccoy in person together they're hilarious and adorable and i'm i love watching them interact um there's a story uh Nikki likes to tell of uh, there was some panels the companions who was it? It was Sophie Aldrin. Um, it was the girl who plays Victoria, I think.
0: Yeah, Deborah Watling.
1: Uh, was it um Susan?
0: Yeah, it was Susan.
1: And then there was a fourth, wait, fourth girl there. Um, was it Joe? No, it wasn't no, Joe. It was Nicole
0: Bryant. Perry.
1: Perry, thank you. So yeah, I still at the point where sometimes he has to tell me who the character is when Louise he gets the message. Louise
0: Jamison, Lee Lemmy. Well.
1: She might have been, but there was like four or five of them, all companions, and the question comes up. Have you stolen any? Did you steal anything from set when you left the show? And James, can you help me re- reiterate how these reactions went?
0: Yes, Deborah Watling, who was pure innocence and light itself. Just why would I do that? Susan, I can't remember Susan's. Remember. I think
1: Susan said she had taken something, but she was kind of like acting all guilty and innocent about it. Yes, something one singular. Let's take a moment to point that out. Um, I think Perry
0: had taken a couple things. Taken a
1: couple things, and the entire time, everyone else has given their answers. You see Sophie Alger just sinking down in her chair, hoping they'll skip her. Yes. She's going down in the chair. You know, looking all and innocent. And then it
0: finally comes to her. Comes
1: to Sophie.
0: Well. Well,
1: the, the proper question here is, what didn't she steal from set?
0: She basically has a giant...
1: She has a piece of ice world from yes. her first episode.
0: She has... The Ace Jacket.
1: Yeah, the Ace Jacket.
0: There's only one.
1: Apparently there was only one, because th- that made sense. If something happened, y'all were screwed.
0: But also, think of all of the, can you imagine the nightmare of trying to get another jacket with that kind of pins, some of which are one of a kind? This is true.
1: But still, I, I always am like, how could you have only had one jacket?
0: And the best part is all of the stuff they put it through. Yeah. And they only have one.
1: They only have the one. And she has it. Um. She, let's see, she's got Nitro 9, I think she's got the Omega um, like baseball bat mm-hmm. Um. I think, she, did she jokingly say she has a Dalek, but that might have been a yeah. r- rumor that's circulating around
0: Might be, might not, Um. I believe she has something from the TARDIS set, not that they ever really used it much while she was there, she has something of it.
1: I mean, she's got bits and pieces of sets, like, she just
0: I believe she said she has at least one thing from every cereal.
1: Yeah Like, I mean, she had a list Let's actually take a moment to note. This is a question frequently asked, and David Tennant won't actually answer it. He'll he'll kind of bat around the bush and be like, "Of course I didn't," and everyone knows. Rumor has it he does have a Dalek. I think those are the two most common ones for that one. Is him and Sophie Aldred. Rumor has it both have a Dalek.
0: Yeah,
1: hiding somewhere that they took. Um, I wouldn't doubt it knowing the two of them. Um, but yeah, this the Art of big finishes. It's bringing back stuff that you know television isn't doing anymore. It has. The Sixth Doctor, he, um, actually has had a couple of companions over his time. Ten?
0: I was silently telling you we have ten minutes left.
1: Oh, hi. Apparently we have ten minutes left. Um, but yeah, he has, um, one of my favorites is Evelyn. Um... Yes. I love Evelyn. She's this little old lady and he's the Grandma Doctor. Yes, and so with the, his
0: cat pins.
1: Yeah, with his cat pins. And, um, I keep meaning to finish. I um, st- borrowed her first serial from James, and I keep meaning to finish it. But um, they have this fun introduction. They have this fun chemistry, and you think they wouldn't get along, but they do in this most magnificent way. Yes. And she's just fun. She's, yeah, this um, professor, sometimes very straight up to business, sometimes not. Um, she actually is the companion in Doctor Who and the Pirates, because I haven't plugged that enough this this no, episode. I no,
0: have not. You know, available for two ninety nine from BigFinish from bigfinish.com.
1: That reminds me, I need to order my copy. Yes. Um, but no, it's literally probably my favorite. Um, you know, it's the most sometimes silliest episode, but uh, I won't spoil it for you. But there, it actually ends on a very special note, and I love it. And it, it does make me so happy. And I will spoil this for you just as a reason for you to go buy it now. Six things, and it's beautiful, and you need it. Yes. You need it. That yes, Colin Baker does have a musical number and it's beautiful and glorious.
0: It's Gilbert and Sullivan music number.
1: Yes, and he nails that sucker too.
0: Okay, you know what? I know what they should do for the fifty fifth anniversary special.
1: Oh, that's right. Musical. I say grab as many doctors as I'm willing to sing and go.
0: A lot of them have done musical theater, so
1: I mean, let's be honest.
0: You know how well
1: Take a moment and be perfectly honest with yourself, dear listeners. How many of you would buy it? Just because you want to hear if they could pull it off. And yes, it'd be magical and quite frankly, it'd be better. Actually, let's I, take a moment while we're on the 55th. Let's go back and talk about the 50th. Um, light at the end, two
0: minutes before we should probably cut to the last break. So tell us about light at the end and why it's the best Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. Go.
1: Wait, how do you... You burn through time like no one's business. Anyways, Blood at the End was Big Finish's big special 50th anniversary special. And it brings back... What does it bring back? Four, five, six, seven, and eight? Yes. Four, five, six, seven, eight. We are on multi-doctor.
0: And one, two, and three are all there, too. Played by some of their best friends. The first doctor is played by William Russell, Ian Chesterton. The second doctor is played by Fraser Hines, Jamie. Jamie. And I can't remember. Someone from his own, I
1: think. And yeah, but they're getting. They, they they do make brave cameos, though. We more focus on four, five, six, seven, and eight. And uh, granted, my biggest problem is there was not nearly enough inter-Doctor bick- Bickering. Um, there was a crack at Six Coats, though. And yes. I thought it was the most magnificent thing.
0: And of course, we had the dream team of four and eight. Yes. Which makes up for any lack of Doctor Bickering.
1: It do- I mean, it, just having them all together meet up for any lack of Doctor Bickering. And. Isn't the master in this one, too? Yes. Like, yeah, it's the master. Um, it's been a few months since I've gone to listen to it. But it, it's so fun, and it is a complex story and keeps you going. And there's companions. And, of course, you know, and they actually sometimes at times get taken on a picture, and we're focusing on the doctors, which I don't necessarily mind. It's so much fun. And, yeah, it's one of those things. It is apparently not entirely unusual for Big Finish to be like, oh, let me see how many doctors I can grab for this and they grab as many as they can.
0: Yeah, I'm glad they've gotten over the days when they didn't want to do multi-doctor stories.
1: Because they're fun. Um, Granted, I don't want you to do one every month. but I I
0: would be perfectly okay with a new range that's all about Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy's doctors. They have the best chemistry.
1: uh, I'm curious for the day when um, the new Who range starts crossing over with Classic Who, I actually get to hear 10 with some of these beloved classic Doctors. I think they're going to hate them, and I'm going to love watching them trash him. And I love him so much, but it's true, and it's coming.
0: All right, and we're going to end on that note of her love for the 10th Doctor. We'll catch you after the break. That's all there is. There isn't any more. Join us next week when we talk with Nicholas Prom of Comics Reflection. And Mary Helen, who sponsored our episode.
1: Well, actually the sponsor thing's a little awkward because our sponsor was supposed to be Cole Hill School, but sadly our sponsorship deal ran up them when they changed the name to Cole Hill
0: And they were really not happy with our criticisms of the direction they were taking the school. No. Sadly, we had to break that deal. We did. But a special thanks to Robert Ironski Jr. for starting us on this journey, as well as the Tiny White and the Deadites for our show's theme, Leaf on a Stream. Thanks to all of us, and you make this possible. Remember to subscribe and rate our show on iTunes. It makes all the difference. And as always, everything happens somewhere. Good night.
1: See ya.